Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 57. Today in the podcast, we are flipping the script and we are interviewing a military spouse. Amanda Huffman is someone that I've met at a conference back, I think about two years ago, and we kind of become friends ever since. And I've brought, invited her to come on the podcast to tell her story of being a military spouse because I've always enjoyed hearing other women talk about what life is like being married to a husband. And in this case, it's a military wife talking about what life is like being in the military. And she's also a veteran, so she has it a little bit on both sides. And she transitioned up from the Air Force to be a stay-at-home mom. And she just brings a lot of perspective and what it's like, but then also kind of maybe breaking it down that it's not as complicated as men want to think it is and that there's only a few things that they really desire. And there's a few things we talk about. We talk about what it's like when your wife for, for your wife when you come home. Life is a stay-at-home mom. She talks about how communication is the key and what would have really helped at TAPS class on the way out of the Air Force. And she turns it around and I ask her a question, what she wants to ask me. And she, I dive into what I enjoy most about doing this podcast. And finally, we wrapped up of how building an empathy bridge of connecting with each other and really discovering what each other's life was like while you were gone is one of the keys to be able to move forward together once you have some gap in time. So if you have any questions being a active duty military dad of what life is like for your spouse being home, this episode is right up your alley and I'm sure there's some nuggets in here that you are going to enjoy. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that on Fridays now we are dropping solo episodes and those episodes are either things that are on my heart. Um, this past Friday, we just dropped a question that was asked from the Military Dad Facebook group. So if you want to get involved with the Military Dad, if you are a Military Dad and want to join our community, and you can also interact with other dads, ask questions, and share what's on your heart as well, because sometimes you just need to share what's on your heart because you're not meant to carry that everything life gives you. So without further ado, let's get started with Amanda Huffman. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. We haven't had too many women on the podcast. I'm trying to think. We only had one other one, and she was the Alyssa Van Lingeveld, who is the Child Whisperer and brought us 10 Minutes Together episode way back in the spring. So I'm excited for you to bring the opposite side of what uh, military dads have to deal with. And you've transitioned from the military as a military mom. You now have a podcast for military women. Go ahead and a little bit unpack about what or what your life looks like right now as a mom? I'm a mom of two boys. My husband's still in the Air Force. He travels a lot for his job, so I'm doing mom life alone a lot of the time. And when he's home, we try and make the most of it. And I also have a business, like you said. I have a podcast called Women of the Military. And then I share, so I share stories of military women past and present about what their time in the military is like. So one, we're going to dive into a couple different questions here. We're going to hit off on a classic one and we're going to ask it from the other side. When your husband comes home, what's that experience like on your side, trying to reintegrate him back into the family? So it depends on how long he's gone. I feel like the longer he's gone, the more things I imagine that he does without me asking. <laughs> Um, so if he's only gone for like a few days, it's not that big, but if it gets like over a weekend, it's like two weeks, I'll be like, Oh, remember when he does this? And then he comes home and he doesn't do all that stuff. And then I get mad at him because he's not reading my mind. So it's kind of funny of like reality and expectations. Yeah. And I'll newsflash men can't read women's minds. <laughs> I know. Despite how many times they test us. I think it's like a good thing, but sometimes I'm like, just read what I want you to do. So. What's something that he does well that uh, it makes integration easy? Is there something that uh, he already does part of the process to make it easier? 
Well, he does do a lot of stuff. He His job is to unload, not unload, he's not allowed to unload. His job is to load the dishwasher every night. And so the first, like, when we were in L.A. before we moved out here, he was always home and the dishes always magically made it into the dishwasher. And then he was gone. And I'm like, what's happening? The and genie then he, left the bottle. Yeah, and he does like the cat box, so I don't have to do that. And he feeds the cat. Just all these like little things that I don't want to do that he does. So, and he hasn't been to to combat. He's just been TAD deployments, right, for training and stuff. Yeah, not really for training, like meeting with people. Got it. But he's been gone for like eight weeks at a time, though. I've right. If oh I yeah, understand. he's done that. Yeah, that was for training. But yeah, right. And now, you were married as well when you went to Afghanistan. Yeah, we've been married. 13 almost 14 years and the kids were after you came home from afghanistan yes after, so what, yeah. what was your marriage like when you came home back because he was still stateside right yes well when i came back he had already pcs to ohio and then eventually i followed him and then he was going to get his master's at AFIT, so he which is the air force institute of technology so he was always upstairs studying and then I was downstairs. I should have been writing a book, but I was watching TV um, and not being. So that was really hard because, like, we were separated for over a year with the deployment and then him PCSing and then me PCSing. And then when I got there, he was, like, super busy studying all the time to get his master's. Was and that frustrating because you wanted to be back together, but then life really wasn't flowing in that direction yet? I think the hardest part was I moved there because I got home from my deployment in November and then I went out there for Thanksgiving and then I moved in January and there was like six inches of snow on the ground in Ohio and I didn't know anyone. I Luckily, I was still in the Air Force, so I had a job. So that kept me busy and that was how I met people. But it was like the loneliest winter. It was It was pretty depressing. So... I think you maybe foreshadowed this question, but I've really enjoyed asking this question. If you could go back and put a sticky note on the table for Amanda Huffman to read to help reintegrate back to her marriage, what would that be? Um, I I think communication is like the most important thing because I think that was one thing that we did good while I was deployed and one thing that's like helped us in our marriage with all the craziness of dual military and now him being in and me staying at home is like, just remember to like communicate and remember that the other person can't read your mind <laughs> because <laughs> you have to communicate so that you can be effective and be a team. I like that. You probably should write that in a sticky note. He can't read my mind. <laughs> Use words. Probably should. <laughs> I've gotten better at it. So, What do you think he would say to that question? What would he want to give to himself as your advice? Any idea? Um, I guess maybe. I th- I think he likes to have fun when he's around me. So, like, he's an engineer. I mean, I was an engineer, so we're both engineers. So it's kind of hard for us to, like, not go down the street and narrow. But yeah. just to have more fun and to, like, go with the flow and, like, go of the structure. Yeah. So, and it's really and hard because Air Force gives you structure and to turn yeah. that off. Well, I'm like super unorganized and I think that drives him nuts. So <laughs> So is your office door closed because it looks like there's stuff all unorganized on the floor in the background. Yeah, that's that's my office. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you can't even see the desk where all the papers are. So <laughs> <clears throat> the back is is all you really need to do. It foreshadows the front. The worst part is like this is the room I don't have them clean when I have the housekeepers come. <laughs> so I just keep adding stuff to this room so that <laughs> Uh, it's horrible. <laughs> <clears throat> what really needs to happen is you need to leave the door open one day and that way your boys go up there and start calling on the desk because that's what happens with mine. Oh, yeah. Lillian will come up here on my desk and start writing on things and next thing you know, I can't find my notes. And They do that anyways. Well, then it might encourage you to like, you know, I really got to get this cleaned up because these kids just keep breaking yeah, apart my stuff. Maybe. Every time I clean it, it gets messy. I just let it go. So you've got two boys, you have a husband, he's still serving. What's that been like from your husband's still serving, so he still has a lot on his plate to provide? In this case, a lot, because he's trying to support you, he's trying to provide. Is he still going to school for something, or is he 
got what he's wanted from school. Well, he's still doing CBT. CBTs or whatever. I don't know. Level one, level two. He says stuff like that. I don't really pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best military wife ever. <laughs> You're supposed to use active listening. I know sort of what he's talking about. And if you're, if you were voice. in the Air Force, so you should theoretically know. I know. It's not like that's why I only halfway have to pay attention because I know sort of what he's talking about. And that's all that you really have to do. You just need to know the, the little pieces. Yesterday, he's like, remember General, whatever his name is? And I was like, I don't, General so-and-so, that works. I I know that there's a general where you work. So, yeah, it was kind of funny. So, in your transition story, you transitioned out but kind of lost yourself a little bit. Go ahead and explain a little bit about that. So, I left the Air Force when my oldest son was about four months old. And... I thought that I was giving up the hard life to have the easy life, and it was not easy. It was really hard to be a mom. It was really hard to not have the military, like, the purpose. I did four years of ROTC and then six years of active duty, so essentially, like, 10 years of my life were dedicated to the military, and I had always seen myself serving for 20 years so to give that up was really hard and just to not have I knew about a year after we moved my husband was going to have to move so then I decided it didn't make sense to go and find a job and have to move and so it was just really a hard transition to leave the military leave my career and become a mom and apparently babies don't follow orders so my son yeah despite no matter how many times you (laughs) You try to make him like, I'm going to make you build some sandbags. So it was really hard. And my husband also left, like, I was in the process of transitioning. So I think I had like one more month on active duty and he left for eight weeks to go to Alabama for training. And that was, that was really hard being alone with a two, three month old who went from sleeping to not sleeping the day his dad left. And then I thought I was losing my mind and it was just... It was really hard. I remember you telling that story in one of your podcast episodes a few while back there. There's, I think there's some wisdom, wisdom that you could share during that transition, because I think whether uh, a spouse comes from the military or comes from a role or just is that mom that stays home, what are something, what's the message you want other military dads to hear about maybe what you needed to have during that time or what other military dads could do to help their spouse through that transition? through any transition as there's so many different phases of, of spouse, what they go through from mom to wanting to be a stay at home mom, or then going back to the workforce. I think that they need to be good listeners. I know that men are really good at like solving problems. And so sometimes, especially like if I'm crying and like telling my husband what something is wrong, then he wants to like fix it. And I'm like, no, don't, fix it just listen to me and so just to listen and to empathize because sometimes at least for me I have to just say whatever I'm mad about like yes I know the Air Force is moving us I know the mission the mission the mission like one time he was supposed to go TDY and I had the interview with Fox Business and he was like well I can't move the TDY and I was like you have to. This is like the national news. <laughs> yeah, and like and I know, like I know it's the mission and like luckily the mission got postponed a week so he didn't go till the following week, but it was frustrating because I was like now I have to figure out like who's going to watch my kids at 5 a.m. so I can go to this interview and all the like back in. But just to be like tell him like this is really frustrating because even though I understand like he can't do anything and I'm not really mad at him, but I have to like express how it makes me feel because that's how I express myself. I can't keep it inside mm-hmm. and I shouldn't because then it'll just bottle up and explode. Amen. I've heard it said recently in a couple different ways that uh, you really need to create a safe space for your spouse's emotions to exist and whatever she needs to express, you need to have a safe space where you don't take it personal but then you can just let it happen and feel it, but then also just create a safe space for it to happen so that she can trust you that you're not going to react. You're just going to 
kind of stand still during the storm. Right. And that's what we I suck think, at because we want to react. We want to engage right? and solve. And we just need to, to listen and let the storm pass versus trying to interact with the storm. Yeah, definitely let it pass because it could just be like a bad day. And then emotionally, they just, you know, get spun up. I usually get spun up about the silliest things. And then when I talk it out loud, I'm like, oh, this is really silly. And maybe I shouldn't be so wound up about it. I can see that. When it comes to your boys are like four, aren't they? Or two? Did I round up too high? I have two, a six-year-old, and then I, my three-year-old is now four. So Close. Half close. I'd give myself yeah. 50%. <laughs> um, when it comes to your, your, your boys, what, does, what goes well when, when, you're coming, when he's coming home for the boys? Or what is your observation that maybe other military dads need to hear about how, they, how dad comes home and the boys react? So we try and make it so that he gets to talk to them every day, which was a lot easier when we were in California and he would travel, you know, farther east. And so yep. he was ahead. Now he travels the opposite direction. And so he's behind schedule. So he, if he's working really long hours, which sometimes he does, he'll do his best to come out between seven and eight our time so that he can do like a bedtime chat with the kids for like five or 10 minutes. So that way it's not like he's gone for a week and he doesn't talk to them at all. He spends like at least five minutes every day talking to them. And like tonight he's TDY and he'll be home tomorrow. And so we were talking about like dad's coming home tomorrow. And we're really excited. And like Luke knows that his dad's going to be there at the bus stop when he gets home tomorrow. And so he has that to look forward to. And so we just talk about a lot of like, we don't keep them in the dark of like what's going on. We tell them like, this is how long he's going to be gone. And then sometimes we count down the days and sometimes they're really busy and they get distracted, but leaving it like an open conversation and then making sure that they can talk to him as much as possible. Sounds like what you're saying there uh, in a non-direct way is managing expectations with them. Yes, that's true. Because kids are a roller coaster of emotions and making sure they know the hills and, and valleys that are coming kind of allows them to emotionally, because my kids react to sudden, like I learn more and more every time I'm like, hey, you want, or I tell them I have a surprise, but I want to wait like three days. And generally that makes it worse because right. they don't like surprises. It makes their anxiety go up. They don't. And then when it does happen and it's maybe a sad thing that happens or they it was something completely on the opposite side of what they thought it was. Then their expectations are crashed and then they start crying and then it's a disaster. Yeah. And I think one of the things I did for like my husband's supposed to be home by the time the bus gets home tomorrow. But I also was like, that's if there's no flight delays <laughs> because I don't want to be like, and everything's going to be fine. But the reality is like something could happen and his flight could be delayed and then he won't be there at the bus stop. So to like, get him excited but also let him know that something could happen yeah do you find that they ask more questions about what the, the process of having military dad now that they're getting older not really they're still i mean they're still pretty young i we went to the reese across america ceremony and i was surprised that my oldest didn't really have any questions he was just like, okay, I don't really get why we're here. <laughs> and I was like, and then we talked about like for veterans and then he, it kind of went over his head. Maybe it could be related to uh, not being in a military community. Maybe as they're not assimilating the information as fast or like if they're on a military base, surrounded by military kids mm -hmm. that all had the same problem of like, where'd dad go? Right. Yeah, that's true. Because they just go to public school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could just be the very, it's, and without the connection to military base, other than his uniform, does he wear a uniform? Yeah. No. So you're really, man, you guys got it easy. Um, that, so there's really no difference between a dad that they have at school that's just a de, uh, eight to right. five civilian job versus the one he has. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, a magic trick almost. You have a military family, but yet you have the, the setup to make it kind of seem like everything's normal. 
The dad yeah. travels a lot for work, but doesn't really actually have the connection to the military. Yeah, it's kind of a weird place to be. How much time do you have left on this particular station? Uh, two and a half more years. Nice. That's a pretty good sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get stationed some very military-esque, and then we'll get slapped in the face like, what just happened? Yep. What happened to dad? You feel Unless like he transformed overnight. <laughs> Unless we go back to L.A., and it's kind of like the same thing. Well, I heard on one guest that like they give you a year of planning notice for where they're going to send you, right? Do you see that same thing in the Air Force? Like families mm. give a year in advance where they're going to go to help make the transition easier? The longest we had was we found out in November and we moved in July. So, and I've never, and usually we find out in like March and we leave in the summer. Like we know that we're moving, but I've you never don't always had. Know where. Hmm. Yeah, it was Tom Hart that said that the Air Force uh, is more family oriented. Make sure that they have a good transition from one place to the next. Hmm, maybe it's different. Maybe the size of the military base determines how much they resources have to make sure everything. It's probably a career field base because, like the way Air Force does it, each career field has a different assignments team, and based on like your assignment team is like when you find out when you're going to go and all the moving pieces like that and there's differences between command and oh special jobs and all this there's too many factors we've always got where we put as our number one so i guess that's a good thing what's your number one for next time colorado springs that's not the worst place to be i'm sure the bah is probably pretty nice as well is Denver yeah. is like an explosion of real estate area. Would it, yeah. you probably would be, it would be that would be a cool place to be. Just a yeah. lot of adventures and yeah, and the kids gone, will be. You would never be bored because you could always do a day trip somewhere. Yeah, got to deal with yeah. winters and the hail storms out there, but uh, right, <laughs> it is Colorado. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe unpack a little bit about. How did you decide for you to stay home versus your husband? So people ask me this question a lot and we didn't really ever have the who should stay in partly because I'm a woman, but also because I was an Air Force civil engineer. And if you know anything about Air Force civil engineers, they deploy a lot and not like they deploy a lot. We were on one to one for part of the time that I was at base level and then it was which is six months home, six months gone. And then when I was at the headquarters, it was four to one or one to four, whatever. One, six months and then three months. And you couldn't have lat moved to a different MOS? No, because civil engineers are in such high demand. One thing I wish I would have done is done the same job that my husband was, because even though, because I had my engineering degree, so I could have done developmental engineering. But I was like, I'm a civil engineer. I'm going to do civil engineering. And people told me, like, how cool it was. And, like, civil engineering job is pretty cool. They get to do, like, humanitarian work. They get to, I don't know, deploy and do crazy missions with the Army and Mm -hmm. maintain the base. And, I mean, my job was really neat. But it takes a lot of sacrifice. And I didn't want to miss. And when I left the Air Force, that was when six months after – my son was born, I would have to be ready to deploy. And I was like, I can't leave behind a six month old. Did you ever worry that you were going to be afraid to leave? Like I know some, I think there's some people that get to the point they almost do 20 because they are afraid to find out what's on the other side. I probably should have been afraid to leave, but I was like so (laughs) oblivious of like what was coming. That it was just going to be rainbows and unicorns on the other side? Yes, pretty much. You know, like how hard is it to be a military spouse? It's really hard. That life is going to be like the middle spouse <laughs> magazine right on the front where everybody's got smiles and the kids yes. are smiling and everybody's dressed perfect. And Yes. Yeah. I was unaware of what was coming. <laughs> so I think it's easy to like not see. It's always easier to be like, oh, the grass is so green over there, but you don't see like all the other stuff behind the scenes. I like that. Wait, no, A, that you, you frame that as the, like it's, it, you, you want to transition, but at the same time, you have to make you have to be more aware of what's really going to happen and have a plan. Yeah, I think the emotional aspect of leaving the military is something that I blame that it's like a male dominated or 
organization that they don't talk about the emotions. And I don't know. Well, I've talked to guys to know that they struggle too. But like, for me as a woman, I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this? <laughs> like, why wasn't there a heads up? Like, hey, your life's about to like change dramatically. And like, it's not just finding another job because the military is more than that. They like break you down and then t- build you back up so you're not the same person. And I think if tap class spent more time focusing on your emotions, that would really help. Amen to that, because as you, as a listener of this podcast, uh, mowing the lawn, you know that I'm always talking about that and how like the military should actually put an order about how to talk about your emotions. Yeah, Cause there's actually nothing saying you can't except uh, men's ego to process anything real. Right. And it just creates these moments where people get lost in the, the emotions of what they're not feeling. And you have men who don't process it and women who need a space to process it, but aren't even told to make sure they're processing it. And then you I, get on the other side and you're overwhelmed by it. I think the other problem is the people who are making like the tap class or the tap decisions are like the people who've stayed in for 20 years or the people who are like generals and then they become generals afterwards, essentially, you know, like they don't transition the same way. So it's like they have a tap program for everyone. doesn't matter. I guess generals have a special one, but like, it doesn't matter if you served like a year and like got medically disqualified or if you served 20 years or if you served somewhere in between. And like, I feel like you have to have like a different emotional reaction to leaving the military based on when you leave and what your circumstances are around it. And so that's where I think it's like you try and lump everyone in. And like my tap class was get a job, get a job, get a job. And I get was a like, job, Why? get an interview. Here's yeah. how to write a resume. And they didn't even like the VA piece. They didn't even, they spent like 20 minutes on that. And like, they should have explained how the VA works and like why you should register with the VA. And they didn't do any of that. I at least had that the advice. I don't, I think it was actually a VA guy that came in and he was like, the first thing you need to do in the first six months is you just need to go to the VA, process everything that you are and get it documented once. Right. Because then there's a, fa- a fraction of time from the military and in the VA system that says, this is what you look like physically, all the scars, any injuries. And then, and I went through that process and ended up getting rated 10% disabled just by going through it. So, and I wouldn't have said that I had any issues, but going through the process, it just happened. And that's not something that everybody knows about. Like just go to get documents. Right. It's not like, there's not an award you're going to get 20 years from now when you're back shot and you can't lift anything because, man, I was really tough and I didn't go to the VA for the first 20 years. Like there's no award ceremony that they have in Washington, DC for people like that. And if you don't go within the first five years of getting out active duty, it's really hard to get back in to the system. So. Yeah. Cause everything is, is hearsay at that point, yeah. especially if you were too tough to go to the military when you're in the military to get whatever happened documented well, then it's all conjecture and then right, and then you, you can get up frustrated at the VA, but really you have nobody to blame but yourself. So I'm going to put you on the spot since you've listened to the podcast. Is there any questions you want to ask me? Oh, that's good. I do. I do listen while I mow the lawn. I have to find a new activity now that it's not growing anymore. <laughs> yeah, winter's come. I think what has been like the most rewarding part of doing the podcast? I would say the most rewarding part of the podcast is... Depends kind of the dad that I'm interviewing. Sometimes it's an everyday dad. Sometimes it's a dad that maybe has um, already kind of created a voice for himself or maybe has a platform. But I think a lot of the best thing that happens is when I talk to an everyday dad, sometimes I almost feel like the conversation is, is therapy between each of us because sometimes I'll say something and I'll gift them permission to process a feeling that they haven't felt. Like I've seen it multiple times in the podcast where someone will mention... Um, that they lost someone and I can feel the emotion on the other side. Like they're hesitating. Maybe I can even see them getting welled up and I'll maybe go in and talk about how he died. So you could go home and be the best dad. Like that gift is something that I really enjoyed giving and, and just kind of exploring that process of connecting with more and more dads. Like you talk to one dad and that dad connects you with more and that dad connects you with another and how that ripple effect can happen. And the amount of, if you chain back those people, it all happened because you started talking to one person. Like 
to me, that's the best tap lesson that they should be teaching you is the verbal effect of talking to people. Yeah. I they don't tell you to talk to people. They just tell you to submit your resume and hope for the system to, to love you. Right. Which they don't. Well, and they don't, I don't think they focus enough on like serving. Cause part of what you're talking about is like serving one person who serves another person and like mm. how that, and I feel like that's something that's like either you're born with or the military instills in us. And it like causes us to just have this desire to like want to give back and especially help like brothers and sisters that we served with. And so I think, there needs to be more focus on like how can you do this like not just a job but like how can you do this because I think a lot of people just get a job to get paid and not figure out what think they more want. of it and then we and we naturally were doing something when we served that was more but we don't actually think about it consciously we just do it as a job but the byproduct automatically happens is we're serving our country doing something noble we don't have to think about it but on the other side you consciously have to volunteer your time. You have to consciously make space for that. And I think that's why Team Rubicon is um, such a popular organization for veterans because it allows people to give back. It allows them to come into the time and be the Superman, kind of step back into that uniform to put Superman back on and be someone that can actually lift others up. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, I think that's another thing I've enjoyed about the podcast is um, – finding others that maybe have become lost within the system or not necessarily lost in the system, but um, lost in their way within their family and kind of helping lift them up. Like that was something when I was in the Marine Corps, I had the chance to be a platoon sergeant. And my favorite thing to do was to take Marines that others had given up on and to, to get them to recognize that there was more inside that they could see themselves. That's awesome. And I think that's kind of like the therapy or the, the muscle that I keep stretching when I interview is helping others right. see something that they can't see themselves. Yeah. And I think that's what you have. It's the same thing with the women in the military. Like you gift the gift of having the woman tell her story. And when she tells her story, she realizes the power that can come from that versus keeping it inside. Yep, exactly. And you going first opens that window for others to go second. Like that's mm-hmm. another thing that I like about the podcast. I tell my story, someone else goes second and they tell theirs and, Next thing you have two vulnerable moments that hopefully makes a dad realize that he's not alone and takes those first few steps to come home. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm a woman and I really enjoy the podcast because I get a lot out of it. And I think for a long time, one of the reasons I was so lost is because I felt like I couldn't connect with male veterans or even just veterans in general. And like hearing your podcast and relating to the stories that the guys are sharing is kind of like healing in a way and a reminder that I'm not as far away as I thought I was. Do you have any mom podcasts that you listen to that are in general uh, to sharpen your skills as a mom to recommend no, I, for other dads to recommend to their, their wives? I only listen to your podcast. No way. I don't, I don't listen to podcasts. What? <laughs> I am the only one in your podcast player. Well, I have other ones that are there but i don't you subscribe to, to but you've never well i listen to them every once in a while well the, the newest one i like is called the spouse angle and she's a military child and she has a background in journalism and she's been doing some like crazy cool topics that i've been either reading the show notes or listening to most of her episodes i like them a lot just she just started like a month ago so she, well, I'm yeah. honored to make the to make your one more time then. Yeah, I I just really like it. You you mentioned uh, on and off when we talked that you and your husband have had a conversation about an episode that we've talked about. Is there any one memory about an episode that you'd be willing to share with us about what takeaway or lesson you were able to bring back to your marriage from the woman perspective? What. You you take the episodes and you talk them to with your husband. Is there a story oh. or a lesson that you could share with us that you brought into your marriage when you talked to your husband? Is that better? I think I think I guess I just like that he listens to me talk about whatever I talk about and he's kind of like my like my touch point to get me like to stay focused or not get overly excited or not get too disappointed. He's just brings me to like the happy, he's like mellow straight all the time. So sometimes when I tell him stuff, I'm like really excited. And he's just like, 
okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this is like really exciting. exciting. Are are you excited? And he's like, yep. <laughs> so, like Fox Business was the same reaction I can imagine. Yes. Well, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. He was like, it's not Fox News. <laughs> he's so silly. So, well, really, it was like when I got my first sponsor and I told him and he was like, okay. And I'm like, do you not understand? That like, means I'm someone's get... paying me. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I understand. It's cool. But he just doesn't get super excited about it. And so he's just kind of funny. So. So what is the, how many more years does he have to serve? Uh, six and a half. Well, that's a long time. I know. And he's already right. signed up for that much commit commitment. Like that's not like a renewal. That's how long he's without. Well, he's already down for six. That's. We'll be at 20 at that point, so... Oh, okay. That makes sense. And so the goal is to go to 20, I'd imagine? Yes. And the Space Force is, like, happening. I don't know if you know. I know it's happening. So we're trying to decide, because he's in the space arena, and so we're trying to decide what's going to happen next and what's going on. And so that's kind of exciting to see... What could happen? Yeah, to get out of the Air Force. <laughs> so what does the future uh, life look like for the Huffmans? What kind of life are you dreaming for after the 20 year? Well, I'm, that's why I'm doing the podcast. I want, I want to become a speaker and have my podcast and be an author. And I want to be able to make an income so that we can travel. When my husband retires, my plan is that we're going to spend the summer he retires in Europe with the boys, because that'll be like six, six or six to eight years from now, essentially, unless something crazy happens. And we're the boys will be like the perfect age, and we can spend all summer traveling Europe. So that's like my big goal. But we love traveling. So did you listen to Ashley's I, episode in July? I don't. I wasn't listening. Yet and then you I, go, I can't. I'm having a brain fart. I spent the last 30 seconds trying to remember her last name, but it's Ashley. So there's only like, isn't it I Ashley have, Bug? Yes, yeah. that episode because she was in Poland when I recorded it with her. And like that, like two days prior, they had just got back from Auschwitz and just hearing her tell the stories. And her kids are like five, three, and nine months, yeah, like extremely young. And what how like Auschwitz affected her and how it affected the kids. Cause like they visited Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam and the girl was even connecting that Anne Frank and that her dad was here and like really just kind of connecting it. And I think you'd really like it cause she's on the adventure side of it all. Cause her husband wasn't, um, he lived life without a bucket list. And so that's how she's remembering her husband after he passed of making sure that she lives life without a bucket list. And I think one of the coolest things that, that she was doing is that anytime the kids miss dad, they have a blueprint for how to live the life to feel close to him. Like, That's I think so that was cool. so cool. Like, yeah, that you can miss really miss dad, and the only thing you got to do to feel connected to him was do something adventurous because that's what he yeah. Really did. Yeah, I like that. And that's kind of like when my husband's gone, we just do stuff. Like, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what if he's gone, I'll still drive into DC. I'm, I'm crazy, I'll just do whatever, and like. I try not to let the fact that he's not here stop us from doing whatever we have going on. And a lot of the like behind the scenes of like figuring out childcare and asking people to help me, it's kind of humbling, but then people are always willing to help me. So it's made me realize that like I can rely on people and that I don't need to do everything myself. Does he have anything related to like uh, FOMO or fear missing out or does he go through dad guilt being away and you're having fun? Yeah, he doesn't. He Not that he doesn't like it, but yeah, he has FOMO because he does miss out on sometimes when, like last year, whenever it snowed, he was gone. <laughs> and like he, so he missed like the snow days at work because he was traveling. And so like we built snowmen and we played and the, had snowball fights and did all that stuff. And I had to shovel driveway. It was awesome. <laughs> But, like, he missed every snowstorm except for the last one, and then he finally got to, like, build a snowman with the kids. But it was kind of, like, it was really sad because he, like, missed, like, 
days you get to stay home and like play in the snow and it's yeah so I mean that's like the biggest one I can remember because it was like every time it snowed he was gone and we would, does he ever talk about with you or is that emotion that he kind of keeps to himself he doesn't really talk about it except when I'm really upset and saying like how hard my life is and then he'll be like remember I have to miss out on these things so mm -hmm. I can almost imagine um if I were to extrapolate what your husband's feeling that that's something that does build up. And I think it happens for every dad that, that works while the mom stays home. It happens for me even in the summer when I'm working and my wife's home from teaching in the summer that you realize, you don't realize it when you're trading it, but after you look back, you're like, I traded a lot for something that really didn't matter. So like even the next six years, like, yeah, you get paid, you create stability, but that's a big check of memories that you're writing. Mm -hmm. And whether you're consciously know or not, or most dads don't often know about it, but that's something that I've really dived into the podcast a couple of times of that. Those are credit cards that you're borrowing from and the interest is due the moment you come home and you need to make sure you're almost doubling down on those memories because eventually that, that credit card does come back and it'll hit you hard, especially if maybe you're not talking about it or if he's not processing it, that's uh a real thing that men and dads carry on their heart, but often aren't talking about because it's noble. It's the right, it's what society says men should do, but there's a lot more than just providing. And I think the, the more you get connected to a life of freedom, the more you realize that maybe you don't like not having that freedom to choose where your time goes, especially in the military, because you're kind of like forced to keep walking on this path, right. whether you really want to or not. It's true. There was uh, one episode, I can't, uh, Dan Evans, he essentially left at 13 years because he realized if he stayed to 20, he wasn't going to have a family because he was in the recruiting command and the Marine Corps recruiting command was a disaster of organization. And that's what I find multiple times. I've heard multiple recruiters say that, that they just organization wise, your, your family is, it's almost worse than going to Afghanistan because you're, you're present at home nearby, right. but you can't be there because you're driving paperwork, filling out paperwork, whatever it may be. And that was going to break his family and he had to pull the plug. Yeah. I think the good thing about his job is even though he travels a lot when he's home, he doesn't have to work as many hours as he was working in LA. So it's almost, it's like a give and take because he's gone, mm -hmm. but then he's home at like five o'clock every day. And so it's nice that, and I, and he doesn't like do sports or anything. So we spend weekends all together as a family and, not watching football or whatever. So that helps too. Something uh, maybe to think about of um, how you could two times or two X the memory that you made while he was gone when he gets back in a different memory form, but like almost make it look like this was the easy memory, but we're going to do a grand memory or something like those, maybe something craft those moments so that way he can feel that he gets them when he gets back. But maybe he is tired or exhausted from traveling and he, doesn't have the mindset to craft a great experience or adventure. Yeah. Well, like when it finally did snow and he was home, I stayed inside and they built the snowman. So it wasn't. Well, that's like, good. At least the universe <clears throat> corrected itself and eventually yeah. they built the snowman. Yeah. It's a big deal if you're from California because <laughs> I had to like Google, how do you build a snowman? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's chemistry. It's you got to have the right amount of moisture. You got to have the right temperature. Yes. You can, I actually, I haven't done it or verified it, but you can actually Google, or not Google, but Amazon sells kits for snowmen. <clears throat> oh, really? Like the coal eyes and the hat and all that stuff. We just make up stuff. That's what we do. And then I seen one dad do it on the internet. And I was like, man, there really is everything on Amazon. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. So as we wrap up this interview, I got one parting question for you. <clears throat> okay. What is one piece of advice you want other military dads to hear from a military spouse? I think, well, I guess my first thing is don't ever remind them that you work because when my husband does that, it drives me nuts. But it's really hard to be a military spouse and it's really hard to not know what's going on. And I know that sometimes you can't <clears throat> say stuff, but as a veteran, I know a lot of the lingo and a lot of what's going on. 
But for a lot of my military spouse friends who are not veterans, they come to me and ask questions. What does this mean? And like, what are they talking about? And I think trying to explain things to your wife and letting her vent and have emotions is really important because even if they don't want to move to wherever they're going, they shouldn't have to be like, if they don't want to move where they where you're going, they should be able to say that and not feel guilty. I think the military tries to make you feel like you have to have a smile on your face and like like you said, the magazine where everyone's mm-hmm. but like sometimes you move to the middle of nowhere and the schools aren't good and like there's a lot of things to be upset about. And if yeah. you're not upset about it and you just pretend like everything's fine, it's a disaster for both you and your family. Yeah, because then it just kind of creates a friction of emotions and sometimes you just need to be sad and uh, I often say you just need to sit in it for a little bit yeah and it's okay to be sad and like (laughs) most military spouses they just want to be sad and they want to like be heard in that emotion of like I don't want this but then they they're amazing like military spouses do so much they bend over backwards to make it so that the military can work and that their family can work and all the sacrifices they make if they're trying to have a career. And I don't think people give them enough credit of what they have to do to. And you're in the silent hero category where you don't get a lot of spotlight um, unless you're somehow connected to the military spouse community. Most people really don't even think about it much. And so like I can imagine it's a, to feel insignificant as a military spouse is a real emotion that a lot of women face. I mean, the word that the military describes us is dependent and like you have to have your spouse to do anything. You have to have your spouse to get your ID card renewed. If you're on base and you want like repairs to be done, you have to have your spouse do it. If you want anything done, you have to. And it's just kind of backwards because none of the world operates that way. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the world, you're like a real person and you can do stuff. And it's just kind of backwards how they treat people like you have to. You have to have your, and they don't even, you're like, your husband has to be here. And it's like, but he's deployed. And they're like, we don't care. And it's like, you're the ones who sent him there. So yeah, it's really hard. I mean, that they don't realize the oxymorons of their own existence. Yes. There's been a coin, a term that I've been coining on on the podcast called an empathy bridge. And I think that's what you're kind of talking about is just allowing yourself to, to feel what the other person's feeling and truly understand that person's viewpoint because then you allow this bridge to form where you both can meet in the same spot and can travel great distances of time if it's been a long time apart. And I think on the other side, when dads come home, I, I've talked a lot about the one of the best questions you can ask to your kids and to your wife is just figure out what life was like while you were gone. Like let her, your wife complain that 15 times she had to go somewhere and, and argue with the same person and convince them and show proof that you were gone and right. just letting that be heard because there's time still happens, even though you're just kind of jumping back into it. And I think that step of meeting the other person and hearing where they were at allows you to kind of go forward together versus like trying to change speeds constantly to figure out how to match it together without actually talking about it. And I think spouses want to know what you're doing. So it's important that you do that too. Like you tell them like what you're doing because my husband, whatever job he's doing is really exciting and neat. And like, that's why we moved to Virginia, but I don't like Virginia, but I'm excited for him for what he gets to do. And when he's getting put up for awards or he's doing different things, I know about it. And then I can be like, Oh, I saw this volunteer opportunity. Oh, we can do this as a family. So he keeps me in the loop about what's going on with his career and like what the next progression is. And when he's up for promotion and when he's up for awards. And I think the fact that I'm included in that makes it so that I can understand like, Oh, he's working longer hours because he has to get this done or he needs to go to this volunteer event, but can we make it so it's a family event and he's not gone more and just being part of what's going on and being able to be included. What you're also dancing around there uh, to wrap this up is uh, common language. Um, I've explored it a little bit with my daughter, like how many times my daughter's seven. And I, we when going through like vocabulary words of just like, like we assume that she knows what trust and responsibility mean, but they're seven. So like, why, what, 
um, environment have they been in to learn trust and responsibility as we've known it? And we've been talking about these shared definitions and it's been almost game changing. Like when you create shared language to talk about, like then you both have an equal understanding and there's no assumptions left. Like you can tell your daughter that she's irresponsible, but if she doesn't actually know what the F that means, it's useless. Right. It means nothing to her. You might as well tell her that she's bad at playing with toys. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a guy and he was like, wow, you speak military really good. And I was like, <laughs> I'm a veteran. And he's like, Oh, cause I was like throwing out numbers and acronyms and, <clears throat> And then I was, yeah, and he was just like, how do you know all this stuff? And I was like, well, I'm a veteran. But, I mean, but I wasn't in my husband's career field, but because we have that, like, common language in the beginning and he doesn't have to explain as much stuff to me, then I think that really helped. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that. And I liked how we talked about, we talked about a lot of different things on this episode. And. I'm positive because anytime I've heard other uh, wives on other people's podcasts, it's like my, my, my pen's always going a mile a minute running down notes because like, it's kind of funny. Like I've listened to dad podcasts quite a bit and you just have dads talking about being dads and it's all just theoretical stuff a lot because we're all just trying to figure out the same Rubik's cube that we don't understand women and women don't understand us, but we're two men trying to figure it out together. <laughs> and so when you shortcut the process and have a woman just like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I want. It's like, damn it, why didn't we just stop trying to, to work in theoretics and just ask her and get the feedback from it? So I've always enjoyed having women on the pod and this podcast and when I heard them on other people's podcasts. Um, and I, this is something we're going to keep doing in 2020 to bring more dads home because it's a two-sided connection to, to come home and marriage is at the front of that to make sure we become great dads. Sorry. But if anybody wants to connect with your podcast or your website, what's the best place to find you? So my website's www.airmantomom.com and my podcast is under the podcast. And then my podcast is called Women of the Military and you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and like nine other platforms. <laughs> Pretty much them all. Yeah. Anywhere now it's on Alexa. I've heard that uh, the Apple is not. That seems like such an odd marriage. Oh, sorry. Alexa is talking. (laughs) (laughs) Funny Alexa. Did you know what commercials when they're on TV are actually pre-programmed into Alexa to be ignored? No, I didn't know that. Like the Super Bowl has an Alexa commercial that they'll do. And all the Alexas in the world get updated to ignore that commercial. Huh. That's pretty impressive. So that way all the Alexas don't trigger when they uh, hear the word Alexa from the TV. Yeah, she just woke up. That was funny. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time with us tonight, and I'm looking forward to get this episode out there. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home. <laughs>